Border Industry News with Fred Dibnall. The recent report by the Institute of the Motor Industry concluded that a lack of diversity is a real problem in the motor sector. We spoke to Ford Zafira, a spokesman for the industry, who said this, I simply don't agree. We actually have real diversity in the motor industry. Our leaders range from men who like big, fast internal combustion engine cars, men who like small electric cars, and even men who don't really like cars at all. I have to agree with him. How much more diverse could the industry be? Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. She's Sarah Leach. Hello. He's Zog. Hello. And I'm sure I speak for all three of us when I say I am particularly glad that F1 is back. That the F1 season for 2022 has got underway properly. I barely could contain myself for this. Were you... Sarah is distracted by this this weekend. Do you get obsessed with F1 at the start of the season or are you a bit more rational than me? <laughs> well, to be honest, yeah, I was really excited. Everyone's been really excited for the start of the Formula 1 season, including me. What was bizarre about it, though, is that it didn't feel like the start of the season when you watched it because traditionally it's in Australia. Usually yeah. you watch it, it's coming from Melbourne and that's the inaugural race of the year. And whoever wins in Australia, they usually carry on to win the whole season, don't they? Oh, well, they're up there in the season. So that's true. it's all very different this year, very different, particularly with the race result. <laughs> so I remember the days when we used to get up in the middle of the night to watch the first race, usually in Australia. I rather miss the excitement of getting up in the middle of the night. It's a bit like being a kid and, you know, being allowed to stay at a friend's house in your pyjamas. There's something really exciting by it. But having said that... Although it's even better if you can do that whole getting up in your pyjamas, lounging around, you know, snuggling up in your blanket and watching it on Sunday afternoon, if I may. Yeah. It absolutely beats any day of the week getting up early in the morning to do the same thing. <laughs> True enough. Tycho said to me, my oldest son who loves F1, on the day of, um, I think it was Friday practice, said to me, Dad, Dad, this is better than Christmas, isn't it? I mean, that's fantastic. He's 21. He's starting to realise the important things in life. It truly was. Um, it didn't disappoint. I started watching as soon as the cars went out on the track on Friday. And within the first, I think, eight minutes of the cars blasting around, we had action because side pods blew off the Alpine. Either they weren't fitted properly or there was an aerodynamic issue, but it popped them off. So of the two Alpines that ran over the weekend, one of them, I believe, had to use the old side pod design because there was only one new side pod left. For, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Alonso or Ocon. I think Ocon got the old side pods, I think. But I think it was Alonso's new side pod that blew off in practice. So there was a bit of swapping and prioritising over who was the best driver there and um, did you see the helmet cam shots yeah i think they're one of those funny things that in a way they're sort of terrible shots because you can't see all that much but they're fabulous for giving you a proper idea of what the drivers can actually see giving you that race level view of the action yeah it's a great angle to have you just don't want too much of it you need a lot more of the shots that shows you what's actually going on yeah 
It's an extraordinary thing. They've got the camera so small and positioned so well now that it's sort of just to the right of the driver's eye, as far as I can tell, in the padding of the helmet. And so you get that whole head movement thing when they're going around the corners. You see the driver's head compensating for the rotation, you know, and the G-forces swinging it out. And you also get a certain amount of sort of lens flare because you're looking through the driver's helmet visor. And so you're getting a very accurate representation of what their eyes have to deal with. It was magic. It was the best example, I think, ever of what it must feel like to be in control of a Formula One car from that angle. But you're right, you don't want it all the time. But I'm very glad they've got it. You know, their problems last year when they first tested this new helmet cam there were complaints from the teams it was showing too much detail of what was written on the dashboard or the steering ah. wheel and other teams were able to read that they didn't want that broadcasting yeah so i think that's why they've gone slightly off to one side clever clever legal requirements other things i noticed in practice do you know what the red bull and the alpha towery cars powertrains are called now because they're not build red bull or alpha towery honda anymore do you know what they're called it's some combination of b's p's m's and t's that i can't remember uh betumped or a bum or a yeah bum close enough i'll give you that i don't know what it is it's rubbed rubbed r-b-p-t red bull powertrains and also rubbish <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. well We'll come to that in a It's moment. not rubbish, but we're going to get onto that later. Yes, we loving are. Oh, my trousers. Uh, it was lovely to see the cars running together under the lights and getting the colours, you know. The Alfa Romeo, the car we used to call the Sauber, yeah? Oh, yeah. Sarah, what colour would you say that red is? Would you say that it was dark bull's blood red? Or would you say it was scarlet? This is like that is the dress green or gold. <laughs> the green, yeah, yeah. What would you say, Sarah? Well, you tell me. How we decipher the difference between scarlet and a blood red? Yeah, blood red is kind of on the maroon side. It's sort of mm. dark and there's a bit of brown in it. But scarlet is like traffic light red, isn't it? Post office box red. It's not traffic lights red. And I don't think it's blood red. It's a little bit in between. Zog, what would you say? It's a fairly sort of classic Italian... Racing red, isn't it? A sort of a Corsa Rosso. Yeah, that's the right name for it. With a touch of metallic in it, just a little bit mm -hmm. of uh, metallic sheen. It's like an Alfa Romeo spider red. You know, an mm -hmm. Alfa Romeo spider. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, I don't know the answer. <laughs> because every time I look at that car, it seems to be either one shade or the other. It's the metallic is the answer. There's a certain amount of metallic in the paint that under lights makes it look absolutely brilliant red but the second it goes into any form of shade it plunges into a very dark sort of bull's blood red kind of color and i wish i knew the answer i don't think there is a right answer i think they're doing something that i haven't seen before with cars under lights for it to look that extreme the two differences a lot of modern paints have quality there's a modern paint technology or various paint technologies that give you those color shifting effects under different lighting conditions or different angles you know yeah you know sort of pearlescent iridescent colors so there's probably a variant of that yeah. using one of those kind of high-tech 
paint formulations that gives you shifting colours. But it looks good and goes pretty well. Well, didn't it just? Should we talk about qualifying then? Let me blast through qualifying for you now. Latifi qualified 20th in the Williams, Lance Stroll 19th in the Aston Martin, Daniel Ricciardo, oh, he must be broken-hearted to be down at 18th in the McLaren, Nico Hulkenberg, hooray, 17th in the Aston Martin, two places ahead of Lance Strulovic, that made me happy. Yuki Tsunoda, 16th in the AlphaTauri, just behind at 15th, Joel Guanyu in the Alfa Romeo. Okay, let's pause for a moment. Sarah, is it Guan Yu Zhu or is it Zhu Guan Yu? What would you say? Guan Yu Zhu. 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 What would you say? Joe Guan Yu. Joe Guan Yu. Joe Guan Yu. Yeah. Well, he wants us to use the Chinese form of last name, first name, where you get your last name first and your first name last. So I would be Jones Gareth if I was in China. And I think it's absolutely right that he does that. I think it's really good the way that sport can broaden knowledge of cultural differences. I think that's really important. However, there is a spanner in the works here, which slightly knackers it. His family name is Zhu. His first name is Guan Yu. However, he wants to be known as Joe, which is slightly complicated. It's like me wanting to be called Jones when I'm in China. He wants everyone around him to refer to him by his last name because he thinks that is more familiar than Guan Yu. So that's slightly tumbled it because we'd all be happy to reassess our understanding and call him Guan Yu. But no, if he wants us to call him Joe or Zhu then that's what we'll call him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very simple. What does he want to be called? That's what you call him. He's self-identifying as Jules Guanyu, which is fair enough. And he was ahead of Tsunoda. So that old China-Japan battle, China will be very pleased to have beaten the only Japanese driver in F1 in qualifying anyway. At 14th, another Asian driver, you could say, Alex Albon in the Williams. 13th, Lando Norris in the McLaren, way ahead of Ricciardo, who had a rotten old time, but for good reason. Mick Schumacher, 12th in the Haas. Is that career best for him? 11th, Esteban Ocon in the Alpine. 10th, Pierre Gasly in the Alfa Tauri. 9th, George Russell in the Mercedes. Qualified 8th, Fernando Alonso in the Alpine. 7th, Kevin Magnussen in the Haas. We didn't see that coming. 6th, Valtteri Bottas in the Alfa Romeo. Well, there we are. Alpha delivering a quick car in the hands of Bottas for Quali. Lewis, a sensible, respectable fifth. Sergio Perez, fourth in the Red Bull. Now, the top three, can I remind you of what you guys and I said in the last programme when we were making predictions? Sarah, do you remember what your prediction was? Yes, sadly I do. (laughs) Sadly I do remember my predictions and much to everybody else's surprise, those predictions that I made, those results didn't go too well. As far as qualifying predictions go, what you said, Sarah, was Max up there, Fernando Alonso up there and Lando third Mm, so you were going for Max Alonso Lando that didn't work out did it well Max was up there that wasn't totally off the mark but unfortunately for me and for Lando and for McLaren yeah he didn't do too well and everyone's sort of wondering what's happened to McLaren to be fair they didn't have a good weekend but mind you Daniel Ricciardo 
did come back from COVID and it is a new car. So his first sort of miles in that car was the actual race or, yeah. or, you know, or qualifying. So yeah, I, the race weekend, yeah. Yeah. I think he kind of can use the excuses on that weekend, you know, that the McLaren is not quick enough. Yeah, justifiable. I said that Max should get pole and then it would be Saints and Leclerc because I felt that Saints had a bit of a killer instinct with my outperform Leclerc and Zog. You said Max up there, then Leclerc, then Saints. So close, but no cigar. Yeah, but what a performance by the Ferraris, eh, in qualifying. Fantastic. And I think I did mention last week that I remember there was a post-testing interview with Leclerc in which I thought he was confident he came across as tremendously yeah tremendously confident and seemed to be somebody that was looking forward to getting stuck into the season with a quick car he dominated on Sunday in a way that well I mean with qualifying first of all yeah did a terrific job didn't put a foot wrong and yeah Ferrari are going to be very happy with the way that Saturday worked out as well as Sunday. Mm. But the Red Bull is an absolute rocket ship. So first few races, we're not going to see anybody but Ferrari and Red Bull at the front. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, it would have been a very different race if what happened in lap um, 40-something, was it? It hadn't happened. How did you enjoy the race? Did it satisfy, Sarah? Well, there was a lot of differences than the last couple of years. So I found it very interesting, but I don't know. I was a little bit underwhelmed. Is that a bad thing to say, that it was underwhelming? No. It's surprising, I think. (laughs) I think I was surprised. It wasn't just sort of the usual tussles at the top, which is what we want. We want parity between the teams. It was just a really different race to watch because all these new stories are coming through. You know, we've got all the race results were very different from the last two years. And now I think we're faced with all these new possibilities. So it was just a little bit strange for me. Yeah. I mean, great that Ferrari were out in front. It was a fantastic tussle with Max Verstappen. Red Bull are now got to pull up their socks with what's happened to their cars. They've got no points as they start the Formula One season. And then we've got Haas. Haas at the moment are the best of the rest because by some miracle, (laughs) Kevin Magnussen came through and he's come in fifth. Is that arguably his best race result? (laughs) Tycho keeps saying to me in the house, Dad, Dad, who's third in the championship? I say, um, oh, it'll be Haas. It's almost always Haas. (laughs) What a fantastic and ridiculous thing to be able to say. Zog, you called it, I think. You said that K-Mag was a safe bet, but... I don't think even you were expecting him to perform as well as he did, were you? I wouldn't have put money on him coming fifth, no. But but I do think that he did in that race exactly what I'm sure Haas wanted him to do and which, you know, I think you could mostly probably rely on to do, which is if there's an opportunity, make the best of it. And he did that. Fifth place for Haas at the start of the season, first race, when they've had such a difficult lead up to the start of the season in particular... That's a fabulous result. Yeah. 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 No, they've got to be absolutely over the moon with that. Magnuson, that's 100% vindicated the decision to put him in the car. Yeah. I think he's probably already earned his salary in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to say, I think, between Magnuson and Leclerc, who was driver of the day, because you could sort of say, well, obviously it's Leclerc, you know, first Ferrari won two since... 2019, really confident start of the season. We can talk about the battle with Verstappen in a moment, but great drive from Leclerc. But then to give him drive of the day when Magnussen did such a terrific job. It's a good point, that, Zog. Coming from nowhere a couple of weeks ago and being shoved into the car at the last minute, it seems pretty tough on Magnussen. But then if you give it to Magnussen, you kind of think, well, how can you not give it to Leclerc? The two of them 
were outstanding and terrific drives for both of them. Hamilton as well, though. I mean, we talk about, you know, grabbing opportunities. Mercedes were expecting a very difficult weekend, I'm sure. They were flattered by Red Bull's fuel supply, fuel pump issues, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. But greatly relieved and will take any points that they can. But this is part of the deal. You know, you don't just have to produce the fastest car, do you? You've got to produce the fastest car that will cross the line. Right. It's got to be reliable. Right. And Mercedes are winning on that front based on the only data we have so far. Uh, Hang on. Rewind. It sounded like you said that Mercedes did something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did something right. They built cars that will get to the finish line and score points where Red Bull (laughs) failed to do that. Uh, Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Yeah, fair point. However, they've clearly got a lot of work still to do to get that car right. And their pit stops were slow. Mm. Ferrari were absolutely on it. You weren't there. 2.5, 2.6 seconds on all the stops. Absolutely nailed it. Mercedes were not as quick. So when they say they're not going to be fighting for race wins for a little while, yeah, that scans. <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Shame, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the second half of the season they've got a really strong car. Yeah. Because I think it's very unlikely they'd have gone down an aerodynamic route, this quite brave, different route, if it's really not going to pay off. But the proof isn't there. Yeah, sorry. I wonder what an engineer would say is easier to do. To make a fast car reliable, I'm talking about the Red Bull, or to make a slow car that is reliable fast. I'm talking about the Mercedes. It's easier to make a fast car reliable than to make a reliable car fast. An interesting point. (laughs) I almost would have assumed the opposite, but then actually that makes sense. No, I'm saying this not as an engineer, but as somebody that, you know, has written quite a lot about science and engineering and has a decent understanding of it. And I've read a lot of race engineers, car designers have talked about this. And yeah, it's easier to take something that is fundamentally fast and work on it to make the things that are breaking more reliable than it is to take this solid, reliable thing and transform it into something that will go faster. The kind of changes that you have to make to make a thing go faster are usually much more difficult to do than the things you have to do to make something more reliable. Generally speaking, making it reliable can make it slower because you have to put heavier, better-tested components on that are less likely to need repair. Yeah, exactly. You tend to have to put heavier, more solid, less yeah. likely to break things are there. Actually, this is just touching on a point which struck me. We know Mercedes have their problems at the moment, and it seems like there may be some slight engine issues as well. They don't seem to have an engine that is as powerful as Ferrari. Yeah. And also, it seemed like the Mercedes customer teams, McLaren, Aston Martin, were also struggling a little bit with power. Yeah. And with cooling. Aston, weren't they both drivers told to slow down at one point? Yes. At one time or another? Or, or, yeah. one, or no, so that was, that was McLaren, I think. The drivers were both told to slow down at one point or another to manage. Hulk was told in the Aston Martin. Oh, he was right. Before he comes into the pits to cool the car because it was too hot to pit. Right. He had to do cooling down laps before being able to go into the pit. Right. Well, yeah. So you're absolutely right, Zog. Mercedes have slight cooling issues. Any Ferrari engine car is thriving well at the moment the house the alpha and the ferrari yeah the point about the cooling is that i wonder whether there's something here that's related to the mercedes advanced cooling tech yeah. that we talked about at length last time and we're not going to talk about it anymore because we spent yeah. plenty of time talking about it then yeah. but what i'm wondering is 
if Mercedes designed their power unit alongside their super duper intercooler stuff, is it possible that there's some aspect of the way that the power unit works and that everything is packaged that means that for the customer teams who have... Um, Regular cooling, you uh, could say. Well, they've got the same core internal combustion bits, but they've got different stuff around that. Yeah. And maybe the different stuff around that isn't working as well with the mm. Mercedes IC basics. Maybe it's a coincidence, but maybe not. I guess we'll get some more clues in the next couple of races. Yeah, it's all guesswork at this point, isn't it? We haven't quite got enough data. We've only got this one race. Let's see how it plays out. Then we'll get good data, average indicator of what's happening. I don't know if you watched the build-up and stuff. I watched it on Sky. Great to see Jules Holland on the grid. However... Being a bit clueless. Yeah. And Guy Rich as well. Martin Brundle asked him who he thought was favourite. And he said, well, uh, is it McLaren? And I was astonished that Jules had no idea what was going on there because he's a big car man. Yeah, absolutely. He loves his yeah, cars. Yeah, no, yeah, no. And presumably he's been invited by somebody to enjoy the hospitality, enjoy the race. Yeah. I don't know, if you're enough of an F1 fan to be invited along, to be walking the grid and interviewed by Brundle there, you really should have a clue what's going on. You should at least have, at the very least, a preference for who's going to win and be able to express an opinion. Yeah, that was very weak performance by both Guy Ritchie and Jules Holder, I thought. I know, genuinely surprised. Nice to yeah. see Naomi Schiff up there. I thought she did a fantastic job. She is so composed. And I looked into her background because I don't think she's there simply as a Sky reporter now. She's there on the behalf of the FIA sort of equalities commission you might say she is there representing which is why just before the race started she was able to stand next to stefano dominicali and some other dignitaries when they played the anthem i think it's more of the case that she has that role that that is a job that she has that's a role that she's been given by the fia yeah but she was very good as sort of a sky pit lane reporter i thought she yeah, was yeah, she's good. absolutely yeah, she's good solid yeah. on that sorry to say that sarah because i know that's a gig that you probably <laughs> like no, I can definitely see why she's there. My understanding is that she's a, more of a pundit herself too because she's a driver too. She's with yeah. the W Series. Yeah, yeah, she's, so she's yeah. the perfect sort of diversity female pit lane reporter really because she knows what it's like to be in a car. She knows what these drivers go through from a competitive point of view. So she can be a respected pundit and her being a black female and all is all sort of part of that diversity. So she is really the perfect person for it. Yeah. So as far as having a woman in there, she, she does add value yeah i think she had real presence as well real presence so I, I enjoyed everything she had to say was better than anything we've ever said on this program <laughs> i was thinking about names again at one point i can't remember who it was but one of the drivers i think it may have been lando actually referenced one of the cars as being an alpha tory not an alpha tauri if you think about it an alpha tory that's Boris Johnson, isn't it? He's the alpha Tory. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. And you're right, Sarah, you, earlier on you said, well, I was slightly underwhelmed because initially it was very exciting. Then there was a period in the middle of the race where it all got a little bit dull, if uh, I'm honest. Early rather than middle, I'd say. Right. Yeah, we had a great start. There was a slightly dull spell, then it all... Kicked off. It all picked up again and I'd made popcorn, milkshakes. <laughs> it was a popcorn and milkshake-worthy race, no question. 
it all kicked off when Gasly's car caught fire or there was an oil leak that caught fire in the 40s. And from that point on, it all got very, very exciting. Oh, before that? Well, there'd been some passing and repassing. That was lovely. Which brings me to DRS. Is DRS too powerful now? Too early to say. We need more data from more circuits. It certainly looks as if the new regs are making it easier for cars to follow and to overtake. So that's a positive. That's good. And as expected, we've also got teams struggling to get to grips with the new regulations and make their cars work properly, which is bad for them, good for us in terms of drama yeah. in the races. One small thing I just realised I didn't like. Some of the wheel covers are quite annoying. There's something in the way that they're painting the wheel covers. Alpha McLaren have both got colours on theirs, haven't they? Alpha Romeo have got it half white, half black. So you get that sort of yeah. strobo effect. Flashing. It was the second most brain-hurty thing during the race for me. The biggest being the pink Alpines. I know they're going to change the colours in a few races, that they're not going to have the BWT pink colour scheme for the whole race but my brain was having a hard time wrapping itself around me too a pink alpine it should yes, be blue me too it should, it should be, be blue, blue. I, I, absolutely the alpine car from last year really suited the whole brand yeah right absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, but yeah, you can't turn down true. free money and bwt bring plenty of that but yeah after the first two races by the third race alpine are switching to a hybrid colour scheme when they launched the car they showed two versions they showed the pure pink version they showed the pink and blue version and said we'll race yep. the first two races with the pink one then the pink and blue one will appear at the third race and I can't wait for that to happen because yeah man it was messing with my brain I could not accept that as anything other than a racing point at that point I, I know it wasn't a racing point I need to do something with a roast that's in the oven and I'll be back in a couple of minutes I just need to quickly okay. do a thing because it needs to you go yeah, and do that Zog and well, Sarah and I I will have a chat cooking the dinner whilst making the programme. Yeah, well, I have actually had some pasta on the... Um, Don't on tell the me you've got to go and do the pasta as well. No, no, I've got it in front of me. No, I'm good. So you'll have to put up with on this show. Do you know the term Grand Shalem? Sarah, you're a sporty type. Do you know what Grand Shalem means? I think I'm saying it right. Or Shalem? Um, no. Should I? I well, you might. I probably should. I think the motorsport equivalent of a grand slam. Oh, right. That is, when a driver gets pole position, fastest lap in the race, and wins the race whilst leading every lap of the race over the weekend. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good achievement. So, did Leclerc get that technically this weekend? I don't know. Did he get... um... Fastest lap? Yes, I think he did get it, didn't he, Leclerc? Also, after the race, in the pen, Perez looked broken absolutely broken. I wish we could show you a picture of that face on this program. Perez is usually fairly stoic, isn't he? But I don't think I've ever seen him look quite so glum. Actually, no, I remember once, was it at Austria last year, when the team was celebrating at the Red Bull ring, a Red Bull win. Perez looked a bit glum then. I mean, he has every right to feel glum, doesn't he? Perez, yes. He did a really good job at being bridesmaid last year, but then, to be fair... He was doing pretty well to be in a Red Bull car all season, so I think yeah, his yeah. gratefulness shone through. Yeah. In the pen after the race, we had a glum-looking Perez, of course. Yeah. Lewis, who just came across, I think, like a superstar. He had a real presence to him. He always does. Maybe I'm late to the party realising that. Oh, he handles himself with a lot of class, I find. I was very impressed with the way he handled himself after last year's Abu Dhabi final. 
because he really was robbed and it's come out this week that the FIA has actually come out and said that it was a human error which basically means Mercedes should have won but they didn't apologize did they they haven't apologized well I know I don't think well I think even Hamilton said in what I read that he didn't expect an apology but at least it's something yeah really it's just been a whole you know you know excuse the French but it's been a bit of a <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is exactly the only yeah. term for it, really. It was a uh, up, yeah. Also, in the pen at the end of the race, you've got Lewis looking like an R&B superstar. Max, I think, looks like some sort of European council estate kid who might ride past you on a BMX and steal your phone. <laughs> Probably. He looks like a ruffian, doesn't he? I know, Max Verstappen can get a chip on his shoulder very quickly. Whereas, yeah, I think Lewis Hamilton just handsomely handles himself with a lot of class, but he does yeah. look like a bit of an R&B rap sort of dude. I think he listens to things like Tupac and stuff, Head of the Rates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm certain of it. It must be the only thing in his mind. He wants to be a rap star or a pop star, doesn't he? Good luck, Lewis. I hope he does. He's tried to make his own music. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's, it's he fine. needs to stick to racing car driving. <laughs> Listen, I'm in no position to knock anybody's music as the terrible musician on Gareth Jones on speed. And that's it, really. We've caught up. It's a shame Zog hasn't come back from basting his roast in the oven because I would love to know how he thinks it might play out this weekend at Saudi Arabia. Sarah, what do you reckon? More of the same? I think Mercedes definitely will improve the car. They'll make improvements to their car bouncing. And I also think that we will see Ferrari up there at the top because they've obviously prove themselves i think they've got the pace i think red bull will be up there as well and i'll be really interested to see if mclaren are able to make amends at all i mean i wouldn't want to see them at the bottom of the pack so yeah well i want to see hulkenberg get another chance in the car because at the point at which we're recording this show it's not clear whether Vettel will be fully recovered from his bout of Covid which could mean that Hulkenberg gets another shot in the car which I would be very happy to see it would be a fair measure of what he's capable of. Hello Zog, welcome back nice to have you back with hey, us. Hey yes, sorry about that <laughs> We're just wrapping up the show How did you go with the roast Zog? Roast is in good shape, I've just laid a nice bed of chopped onions and apples underneath the pork belly Oh, wow. So in about an hour's time, it's going to be ooh, pretty good. Well, <laughs> if I can use my local radio skills, Zog, you know your onions and uh, comparing apples with apples. How would you say the teams will play out in the next race in Saudi Arabia compared to what we just saw in Bahrain? How about that for a radio link? Well, I think we are going to see a continuation of the Red Bull Ferrari scrap at the sharp end. I would be... Surprised if there's a repeat of Red Bull's reliability problems. It seems like the fuel pump had been flagged up for the race as a potential issue for a lot of the teams. Well, for all of the teams, it's a standard part. And Red Bull, I think in their pre-season testing, they hadn't done any full race distances and they hadn't done much low fuel running, which really cost them in Bahrain. We're unlikely to see Red Bull falling over again like that. But Ferrari are going to be going into the next race super confident. I think it's worth mentioning, Verstappen to me sounded much more rattled during the race than I would have expected. Yeah. He should have more mental strength than that. Yeah, he was a bit angst during the race. Yeah, really. It's like he went into the race expecting to be clear favourite with the best car. And when things weren't going quite his way, he lost it a bit. Yeah, yeah. And that surprised me. 
Yeah, he was having to endure massive problems. First of all, his steering was all over the place because I think one of the track rods got bent when they dropped it off the jacks. And then he had massive power loss issues. And what do you want me to do about it? You know, oh, it must have been painful. But anyway, it continues. I am very glad that F1's back and I'm glad to have you two back and you guys to listen to the show. I hope. Thank you very much indeed. But for now, from Zog, it's farewell. Farewell. And from Sarah, how do Australians say goodbye? See you later. Yeah, that'll do it. See yeah. you later. <laughs> and we'll be back with another On Speed before you realise. And we're going to leave you with a song. And, you know, we finish every podcast that covers the first race with a song that I've been doing for years called F1's Back. But it's never sounded like this before because I think the new colour schemes are kind of jazzy and the aerodynamic change in the cars is to make it sort of easy watching for more overtaking. Here is a jazzy, easy listening version of F1's Back 2022. See ya, cats. F1's back with new regulations designed to stop overtaking frustration. Ross Brun's plan is a good foundation. That's a cause for celebration. Vettel got the lucky, hooked up the call. Came back, replaced a Russian like he never left at all. Lewis on the back foot, McLaren in a hole. The clerk got close, but Max got bold. Red Bull failed to finish Mercedes proved they're able Scuderia, Ferrari They were fast right off their stable F1's back from being away Last year ended with a storm But now again I'm glad to say F1's in good form for information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!